Welcome to Leaders and Legends of Online Learning, a podcast dedicated to the experts. Thank you for listening. Each episode, we'll be learning from the world's leading thinkers and practitioners in online learning and linking to ideas relevant to online teaching, working with online learners, and digital education. You can listen to the experts and check their profiles and link to some of their work on our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com. I'm Mark Nichols, the interviewer in this episode. You'll meet Professor Albert Sangra in this episode. Albert is an active and broad researcher in online education with the Universitat Alberta de Catalunya, with a rich research history most recently in the area of university transformation. Listen out for the top model and prepare to learn from this scholar based in Barcelona. I'm talking with Professor Albert Sangra, who's Director for the UNESCO Chair in Education and Technology for Social Change at the Universitat Alberta de Catalunya and an active researcher. Albert's area of research include policy, organisation, quality, professional development, management and leadership and the implementation of online education. And he served as a consultant worldwide. Uh, Albert, very good to be talking with you. Thank you very much. Can we start with a brief overview of your career and publications? Well, it's a long time since I started, so it means that I'm quite old now. But uh, in fact, I started in the, in the field of education as a primary school teacher. So this is what I studied for. And then I was uh, working as a primary school teacher for several years and also being a, a school principal there too. Later, I worked in the public administration as a requirement from this administration, the, the, the Catalan government, as a responsible for the training of high-level government officers, especially in the integration of ICT, in the acquisition of leadership and management skills. And simultaneously, I start to work uh, at the university, in a, in a private university, uh, teaching in, in pedagogy, education, and uh, educational psychology. So uh, I started in the university at that time, and, and simultaneously I was working with these uh, high-level officers, and it was very interesting because it's quite different to introduce technology to learn in a, in a workplace than if you do it in a, an educational setting. In 1994, the founder, president, or rector, as we usually said here, of uh, EOC, the Open University of Catalonia, Gabriel Ferrate, provided me the opportunity of being a founder team member of this Open University of Catalonia. Since then, I've been working at this university. Uh, it's more than 27 years now. <laughs> so in the meantime, uh, well, I, I have learned a lot in the at the university because it has been a huge and interesting experience to see how a newly university is going to be created and how you can approach a different profile of students you are used to. So in that sense, I have to say that I've learned a lot here, but in the meantime, I also have learned a lot in several other fields, working on leading research projects, developing new educational programs, assessing online quality in different national higher education agencies, assuming short-term consultancies for different organizations as the World Bank and others, and so on. Mm. In this period of time, I published different papers and, and some books. I have to say that as my mother tongue is Catalan and then Spanish, I've published lots of papers and books in these languages. 
starting in 1999, 2000, with the Catalan and Spanish version of learning in the cyberspace or, or learning mm. in the virtuality. Although I think this is not used in English, virtuality. So, so learning in the in the cyberspace, uh, which says aprender en la virtualidad in Spanish. In 2004, uh, I also published another book called uh, The Transformation of Universities Through ICT, in which I tried to analyze different experiences on, on the part of how technology was changing the, the way the universities were working. And uh, a good milestone in that was in 2011, when I published jointly with Tony Bates from UBC Canada, uh, the book Managing Technology in Higher Education, Strategies for Transforming Teaching and Learning. This was a, a, a huge success, and we also translated it into Spanish. So also in Latin America was a, another success, and I'm very proud of this book. Uh, more recently, in 2020, uh, I produced a book, uh, published a book that is an open access one in Spanish called um, Decalogo para la Mejora de la Docencia Online, that it's going to be published in English the next month uh, under the title Proving Online Teaching. And this is a, a result of the number of uh, requirements of different people all over the world asking my team uh, how to handle the situation for the pandemic, how they could develop quality online education, not only this kind of, uh, let's say, emergency remote uh, teaching as, as Hodges and others said. Okay, and, and this year I also published another book that is uh, called Transformar la Universidad, Transforming the University, in which we analyze uh, from uh, 11 different uh, interviews from, from people, experienced people from all over the world, which is the situation of the university and what are the, the intended future that they can foresee. So in, in that process, I've also published different, different articles and lately mainly based on the concept of learning ecologies that I'm very interested mm -hmm. in because I think that it's a new approach, a new lens to analyze how people really learn, not, not from a psychological uh, or neuropsychological position, but from the practical and organizational one. So what you do for learning and what are your decisions, what, what you decide in order to take a course take another kind of non-formal uh, opportunity and so on. So uh, these are the main uh, lines of, of working I've been doing until now. Mm, well, there's, there's quite a broad range there of, of very interesting and contemporary topics. So over 27 years, you will have seen online education make quite a considerable difference to how teaching and learning takes place. What are some of the really big things you've noticed that technology has helped us with over those years? Well, the, 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 there are two main elements. One is very positive. The other one, from my perspective, is, is a, a negative one or a not so positive one. So <laughs> the positive one is that it has evolved a lot. So things have improved very much in the sense that online education is much more present uh, in, the, in the life of people. So it's not something that only a few poor people 
could do, but it's a, a real alternative. And people balance this in order to make a decision about what should I do or what can I do, and online education is an opportunity. No doubt that uh, online education has, uh, has widened the, the opportunities of people to learn and to be educated. So even if, if now there is a, a big stress on the idea of that online education is contributing to uh, widen the, the digital divide, I don't think so. So I think that the problem is, is the decisions of the governments, not online education. Online education is a good way in order to uh, diminish this digital divide if we decide to, to make a bet uh, for this kind of education. Yeah. So um, online education has been adapted as usual as distance education did to the new technologies. So we are now even discussing how uh, artificial intelligence is going to change again this. So we are uh, in the edge of the new developments and this is very good. So it means that online education not only is modern, but is adapted to, uh, to the new trends of the world. On the other hand, my, my not, not so positive uh, perspective or, or perception is that, in general, people think that online education is just to do the same, but with a different technology. I, I know that this yeah. is a very old story. I know that, but the problem and this is what I don't see it very positive. The problem is that we are staying in that position. So um, if I would like to do something online, oh, guys, it's very easy. So let, uh, let just uh, give me a screen and I will do it online. That's not the thing. So the, the, the main issue is how we change our way of teaching and think on how the students learn in order to adapt and design and make uh, good uh, pedagogically sounded designs in order to make the students really learn. So it's not only technology driven online education, technology is the means, but the content, and when I say the content, I don't mean the, the text, I don't mean the, the knowledge, I mean, the content is also the way in which we are teaching or we can teach. So uh, these two elements are the ones that I think are quite important in that sense. One very positive, and I think that we will succeed on that. And the other one that is still a kind of break uh, on uh, the development and the evolution of online education. So I'm, I'm very interested in following up on that theme, and I'm mindful too that you've completed 11 interviews with uh, university presidents, uh, chancellors who have actually changed their universities, transformed them. What have you seen that's really impressed you about the possibilities of online learning? A traditional face-to-face -face university never will become an online university, mm. okay? especially because the investment in brick and mortar, the investment in territory, things uh, will stay. And for them it's important and it's a part of the identity of the university. And I think that's good. So the thing is that they, they won't transform everything into online. They, they will try to move to partially online or by offering some 
fully online programs or by developing what now is called blended or hybrid education. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is that when coming from a, a usual face-to-face -face institution, blended or hybrid things are usually those that are made face-to-face -face with some drops of online. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work in the sense that you, you need another different vision. You need a new perspective. You need the perspective from the other side to identify how you can really develop a very good quality online education program and then to think how you can integrate some elements that add value from the face-to-face -face perspective. Yeah. So I think this is the real challenge for all these presidents uh, uh, at the universities and administrators because they think that, uh, well, okay, so through technology, it's, it's easy. So people at home, just the screen be, uh, in front of them. We don't need to develop more, more plays or more brick and mortar, and we will have uh, uh, an increase of students. But it won't work if we don't design uh, really online courses. And, and this is difficult. Uh, when I say it's difficult, it's because it's very complicated, very complex to change the way that people is working for years. So it's not about changing it in, in a couple of months, as some universities try to do it because the pandemic was pushing them to do something different. So I, I have to say a big thank you to all these institutions that did that. But I think that they should reflect on the fact that this is not the answer. So probably the answer is to understand that to develop any kind of technology-mediated solution that could be hybrid, blended, or fully online, they need to think on what uh, Tony Bates and myself says, the uh, top triangle, T-O-P, technology, pedagogy, and organization. So it's not just about technology. Pedagogy has to change. Organization has to change. And to change the organization of a huge institution is not easy at all. So these are the real challenge these uh, rectors will, will have to, to, to face if they really want to transform and adapt their institutions to the current times. Mm, thank you. I'm really intrigued by that trio you just mentioned, the technology, the organization and the pedagogy. It's very easy to remember. Uh, so you obviously have a form of online education in mind when you say that. So what would the ideal uh, TOP combination be, do you think, for universities today? It will depend on the institution. So mm. it will depend on which is the current situation of the institution then the TOP or the top solution will be a different one. So it will depend on which is the place from which you are departing and what are the places to which you would like to arrive in. Mm -hmm. So then uh, the, 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 the thing that could be done is to, to think on the questions one has to, to ask uh, him or herself. It's uh, what kind of technology? Are we uh, deciding for a proprietary technology or just for an open source one? Or are we using a, a full component of the, 
of the system or just using an LMS? So mm. the answer to these questions will will make a different decision for the other ones too. Yeah. Thinking on the organization, for instance, it's important to say if they are going to provide online education through the same organization they have currently, and they will have a number of problems. For instance, what has to be the dedication of the teachers? How they can manage teaching face-to-face -face and teaching online at the same time? What are the incentives they will receive in order to do both of them? Not exactly the same, but different. Mm -hmm. how, how you can manage the support of these teachers? Because it's not the, kind, the same kind of support to teach face-to-face. So how you will organize your institution in order to support that? Maybe not only about uh, creating just a, a new unit. It, it's, mm. it's a kind of, of a systematic approach of organization in the institution. Yeah. And finally, pedagogically, it is not about to, to, to provide the same kind of one direction um, teaching. You need to think on other kind of globalization of teaching, and I mean a kind of uh, different approach to the curriculum, a different approach of the kind of activities you are providing the students, because it's true that in online or hybrid models, self-regulation of the students is very important. So how we will manage self-regulation in an organization in which we'll like to, to, to respond to the challenge of moving to hybrid or online models. Mm -hmm. So these are the questions, there are obviously more of them, but, but these are the kind of questions that are important to answer. And depending on which is the situation and the vision of these institutions, the, the answers will be different. Mm, that's a very wise answer. So it starts with the organization, its objectives, and from there, the TOP elements fit in and help it toward another strategy. I'm really impressed too by the mention of systems. So you're not just talking about doing what you do online, you're talking about potentially changing the entire system to make a better online model possible. Yes, sure. And, and in that sense, I, I think that there are a, a number of publications, not, not very new, but they're still keeping their value that, that make this approach, for instance, Michael Moore from Penn State published with Greg Kersley the, the book uh, Distance Education, A Systems View. Mm. And I think this was a very important book to see all the system as a whole. Yeah. And this is what I think the universities should see uh, how they are going to be transformed, how they will move. It's not about making a decision about, I will move this program to online. It's mm. about to analyze and to think uh, the system as itself, because this will um, condition the rest of the working of the system. So it's very important to take in consideration this perspective, this view, in order to uh, achieve good results at the end. Mm, absolutely. Albert, uh, your observations about online learning and education at the present time. So it's now the start of 2022. Uh, we've had many years now of online education. Where do you think we are at now and where do you see online education heading? Uh, I think that we have advanced a lot in the sense that online education is more present than it was at the beginning. So this is good. Mm. We are on the stage. And this means that people can see us. People can see uh, online education. This is good for one side. 
because uh, this this vision can help us to provide good solutions because people can understand what we are saying about. On the other hand, the problem is what it's called the, the Moore's Law. And it's if a lot of people do online education, but they do that in a bad way, the prestige of online education will, will, will suffer. And this is the other problem, it's the other side of the situation. So it's okay, uh, we are much more visible, but the importance of that is that what should be visible is those quality solutions, quality experiences. And this is my main concern, that sometimes people do not uh, see the quality experiences. And they say, oh, a bulk of experiences. How good, but no, see, this doesn't work. Okay, but it doesn't work because it's not organized in a, in a proper way. And, and then it's easy that it, it, it cannot work. So this is one of the problems that I see. On the other hand, when technologists consider that online education is only about technology yeah. and that any single solution is good if it's, a, it's technologically sound. And this is a problem because most of the bad experiences are coming from this. So probably they work very well, but we cannot uh, agree on the kind of learning outcomes that they provide. And in our case, it's not about the machine that works well. It's about a machine that has to work well and has to provide good learning outcomes. And that's a problem. There is another perspective that is the commercial one or the economic one. This is good just in order to save money. Yeah. Uh, okay, probably if you would like to do things well, you won't save a lot of money, at least at the beginning. So commercial solutions sometimes are, are giving us this part of the bad experiences that then people say, okay, see, this doesn't work. Yeah, but again, it doesn't work because you didn't have a, a, a good systematic view, a good approach, and you were only trying to get the more money you can from the very beginning. So these two aspects are also in some extent harnessing the quality of online education and the perception that people can have of online education. But on the other side, it's good that they are interested in. So, so I'm not saying, oh, keep a part of this. No, it's okay, but we have to discuss and discuss these kind of things in order to uh, reach uh, balanced solutions. And this is because I again come back to the top triangle, because I think that this can give us a, a balanced solution for it. Well, Albert, uh, if you had an infinite research fund available to you, well, perhaps infinite might be too much. Uh, if you had a, a lot of money available to you to invest in research, what would you invest in? What research would you most like to see? Well, uh, of course, I have a, a lot of uh, research interest in that sense, but I'm going to, in order to answer your question, I am going to focus on just one, that it's quite difficult to get funding for this kind of research. We need to show that the learning outcomes we get through online education are the same or even superior, higher, 
to the ones get from face-to-face -face or hybrid education. Hmm. For doing that, we cannot do it just with a group of students in a small classroom that I adapted and so on. As there are thousands of articles analyzing that. We need to develop a huge research in different parts of the world, analyzing the variables that can uh, condition the learning outcomes of the students in order to see if we can identify what are the models of online education that are providing the best results. I'd really love uh, this kind of research because it would be the way to be not only visible, but to have the evidence of the best and the worst of online education. Yeah, so a, a very, very big major experimental study is what you'd do. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the results of that. So it's not exactly a longitudinal study, but mm. it needs some time to analyze that and, 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 and to involve a lot of people doing it. Uh, on the other hand, for, for smaller projects, keeping researching on the concept of learning ecology, again, to see the learning life of people needs also a systemic approach, a systemic vision for that. So it's not about what do you learn at school, what do you learn at the university or the college, it's how and what do you learn along your life. And it's not about lifelong learning, it's about learning in your life that is quite different. Mm. So I, I yeah. like very much the concept of life-wide learning. So it's not lifelong, it's also life-wide. So what happens all day long that you are formal, non-formal, informal ways and doing it face-to-face, -face, online or, or, or in a blended or hybrid mode. So everything has to be taken into consideration. So this is another, uh, another line of research that I like more. Mm, mm, two fascinating subjects. Coming back to your first one, so if there was the same course descriptor or same course outline, same learning outcomes used across different modes of education, that would be quite helpful in terms of your experimental design, wouldn't it? So, so this is okay. But the thing then is to identify what are the different variables in the yeah. process that will affect that. So mm. for instance, from my perspective, the main problem is to say, we say face-to-face -face education and online education, but there are a myriad of face-to-face -face educational models and a myriad of online education mm. models. So mm. what is the one that is working better or the ones that are working better? So this is the problem to identify all the different elements and variables that should be considered in this kind of experiment. Absolutely. So looking at the finer parts, the, the actual small pedagogies that make a big difference, not treating yes. online and distance and face-to-face -face as if they're individual things, but really getting into the practice. I agree. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Albert, you've, you've had a 27-year career to date. Uh, across that time, no doubt, you've encountered many people who have inspired you. Um, who are two people you'd recommend as leaders or legends of online learning? One whose work or perspective is significantly influencing you now, and one who you think otherwise might have an important perspective to share. Well, uh, the difficult thing is to say just one. So uh, <laughs> I, I have to say that those people that have uh, significantly influenced me, I should mention 
two or three people, mainly 20 days. That is someone that you have already interviewed. Yeah. I also learned a lot from Michael Moore, one of the fathers of distance education. And from him, I always uh, valued very much his concern on doing good research, mm. how you have to organize things in order to have good research, to have valid evidence, and to be sure that what you are doing is something serious. And that's it's very important. It's not about blah, blah, blah. It's about doing things seriously. Mm. And the third is, is Sir Menes Gabriel Ferrote, who was the founder of the university, because he trusted me. And, and I learned a lot about other kind of things, about organization, about this kind of soft skills that are very important when you are leading an institution and you are leading change. So this is very important. So these are the three people that have influenced me in my, in my professional career. The people that uh, I think uh, they have a, a, an important perspective to share, I would like to mention much more younger people than, <laughs> than I am. <laughs> so in that case, I would like to mention one of my PhD students that is going to defend their PhD thesis uh, next week. That mm. is Deborah Arnold. You, you probably know her from, yeah. from ONG. And, and Deborah has a, a good trajectory on working uh, in technology and institutions, in organizations, especially in higher education. And she is focusing on, on digital education mm. leadership. Yeah. I'm working very well with her. And I think that the lines of research she's working in uh, will be very important in the very next years from the perspective of leadership, especially, and considering this this situation that currently we have of transforming or moving to other uh, kind of organizations and institutions. Yeah. I also would like to, to highlight in that sense uh, Dimitrios Vlachopoulos, who is from Amsterdam Applied University of Sciences. It's a very young man working very hard that has, uh, um, that has shown how you can organize and manage online education in different, in different organizations. So I think that uh, one has to have, uh, keep an eye on, on, on his publications. And finally, the other one that I think it to take into consideration is Adas Bokskur from another university, uh, a Turkish one. Uh, he is um, providing a lot of publication in the last period of time. So he's a very hard worker, and I think that it's good to, to also to keep an eye on the work he's doing. Mm. Well, Albert, it's, it's been a real privilege talking with you. I've learned a lot. Uh, thank you so much for sharing what you've been working on uh, and for the top model and the other work that you're continuing to do. Thank you so much for being a leader and legend of online learning. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting You can learn more about Albert and his work from our website. That concludes this episode. Be sure to go to our website www.onlinelearninglegends.com to follow up on this episode's guest. You'll also find links to others whose ideas continue to inspire and teach online learning professionals, and you can subscribe to future interviews. If you know of a leader or legend we've not yet talked to, please do drop us a line at onlinelearninglegends at gmail.com.